tuck in your jersey, pull up your shooter sleeve, and get ready for Between Two Buckets. What's up, Bucket Nation? It's your boys back in town, though we never left. Me, Scoby Brian, aka Ezra. Who's who's with me as always? The immortal Jay Z, John Ziegle, the Shaq. <clears throat> yeah, play that funky music, Shaq boy. Here we go. Uh, what a night! What a night it was. We had the Sixers yesterday. We had the Knicks at night. We're here today. We're gonna talk playoffs. Game one. <clears throat> I'm not happy about what happened. That was uh, that was as thrilling a game can be before it breaks your heart. But, yeah, uh, I thought good chunks of the next game, uh, trying to watch some stuff on my phone, and 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 then I took the uh, took the time today to watch the extended like ten minute highlight version, um, and it just seemed like a weird. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's sort of as expected and that it's just like really tough to get like good looks for the Knicks. And because the Knicks D is good, it was at times tough for the Hawks to get look good looks, but it was just like a weird, I mean, I know Randall didn't have a great game. Burks had a huge game. Um, there were times when Trey would just got really easy looks. And I don't know if it was mis- miscommunication defensively or, or what, but he obviously had a good game, but it was a crazy back and forth affair. I'm I'm curious uh, as someone who watched the game end to end and who you know has a rooting interest. You know what your your emotions were like throughout that. Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was tough. Like so, in the first quarter, they jumped out to a big lead. I think the Knicks only scored 16, and they were feeding Randall, and and everybody was kind of shooting poorly in the first, but especially Randall was shooting very poorly. So we fell behind by quite a bit. To only put up 16 points in a quarter means you're digging yourself into a hole. And when I when I was watching the game, right, here's what I saw. I saw 15,000 people at the Garden, and that's seven and a half times more than what they've been averaging. They've been averaging 2,000 people. And I think pro players should, you know, uh, love playing for big crowds. It gets them hyped up. It gets them motivated. But as a human being, one human being to another, I was watching those guys and I was going, you know, there's a lot of pressure to play in front of 15,000 New Yorkers. It's just something they haven't seen as a team yet this year. And I'm not trying to make excuses for them. But what I actually think, given COVID and COVID restrictions and the year we've all had, that it was a little bit intimidating to hear the noise. And with that, the energy and the anxiety of like back in the playoffs and here are these guys and we're rooting for these guys and they better not fuck up. And like the New York crowd will turn on players that don't, you know, perform at the highest level in a, in a heartbeat. And I think the guys just got a little nervous. And so by the second quarter, the nerves started to go away by the third quarter, by the fourth, you know, but the only difference here was Julius didn't get it going. If he had had an average game, <clears throat> the outcome would have been different. You know, so I'll tell you what I saw. I saw a Hawks team that did what they wanted to do. Like, this was the game the Hawks wanted to play. Trey wasn't himself. Trey, like, didn't have a huge game first three quarters. He was, like, kind of chugging along, making smart plays, giving the ball up. And then in the fourth quarter, he just had a way of separating from his defenders. He had a way of, like, getting around him, creating some separation, getting to the bucket, you know, and he started pouring on the points. I think he had, like, 12 or 15 in the fourth. And, you know, Capella made his presence felt early on. Bogdanovich hit some good shots. 
Danilo Gallinari has been cursed by that mohawk, so he is going to be a non-factor this series. What a weird a lot of, that was That was one of the ugliest things. I've seen a lot of bad haircuts in my life, but that was literally one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. Uh, and then Lou Williams I, went vintage. Sorry, go Lou ahead. Vintage? Lou Williams. Oh, yeah. What's weird? Well, not vintage playoff Lou Will, interestingly, but that mohawk, because I, I tweeted about it, I can't get enough of it. It's not that it's a mohawk. I feel like he had some shit like that before. Maybe he had a faux hawk before, but it is the ugliest shit, maybe next to a mullet. Let's forget about like the standard ugly shit like mullets and what have you. Yeah. But that was, it looked terrible. I don't know if he dyed it black also. I feel like he dyed it. Oh, interesting. Maybe it was, it's bad. I'm going to pull a photo up just to, just to, because, you know, Gallinari was, was yeah. drafted by the Knicks. So we're very familiar with him. Uh, oh, yeah. And you're an announcer with all of them, he scored it. He'd be like, Danilo Gallinari. He has had, when he was with the Nuggets, he's had a faux hawk before. Uh, no, I guess the hair just looks, well, let me see. Hold right, on. Look, Bucket Nation, if you've not, if you've not seen this haircut, haircut please google uh well really any photos of danilo gallinari last night um or really just mohawk gallinari he looks Uh, uh, hideous he looks like a reject from american history x that is crazy you said that because our boy trill bro dude said almost exactly the same thing something about american history x yeah, uh, and I had tweeted, I think, like within ten seconds, but before or after him, that he looked like he was like some dumb character on like Mortal Kombat or something. He lo- he looks like he he applied for Clockwork Orange, and then got rejected for being too like too suburban. <laughs> so then he got that haircut as a response. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyway, then- he also did hit a big three. I recall. Uh, yeah, but. yeah, and I gotta tell you, the Knicks. You know, I, I think it's disorienting when your best player has a has a really bad game. And so here's what I saw happen: I saw Derrick Rose step up, try to lead the team. Yeah, he's not he's not a one A anymore. You know, he'll he'll give you 18, 20, 25. Um, but he doesn't quite have the same speed or explosiveness. RJ had a had a good game. He had some key moments. Alec Burks tried and to. Can you so tell tell me about that a little bit? Because I see he had 11, 11 boards, um, and he, he was minus five, which wasn't you know too terrible. But um, he was six of fifteen and one of six from three. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. Maybe also his defense was was good. Uh, what were you seeing with him? Because it didn't seem like he had. Yeah, he didn't. I have- mean, I saw some moments, but I w- yeah, I wouldn't say he had a big game. He had a he had a big three late. Um, he had, he had some of those patented drives to the bucket, um, and he had a big stuff and, and the drives were just kind of at key moments, like the kind of moments that if it's another hoisted outside shot and it doesn't go in, like Knicks are looking to take a timeout after that, but like he kept them in the game with some timely buckets. You know, he's got that nice, you know, dribble drive that, you know, he kind of goes right to left. So he gets to his favorite hand. He's a lefty. And he had a couple of those buckets, not a lot, but, you know, he was definitely trying to like assert himself and fill some of the void there, you know, um, 
And I, I think, you know, I think we got to talk about Alec Burks. I think we should talk about Emmanuel Quickly. Quickly didn't have, Quickly had, he was part decoy. He was part sniper. He was part facilitator. Uh, quickly had big moments. Like he, this was his coming out party. He really, he really had a nice game. Um, Obi Toppin also, I think he only hit two shots, but one was a dunk and one was a three. So he gave you what he gives you, you know? Um, a lot of players played well, but again, without Julius, uh, you know, having a big game, it's just, you know, it just, I think everyone was a little bit off balance, you know? Yeah. And that, I think that's the problem with the Knicks. And I <laughs> I know you were, you know, giving me a little of the business because I was sort of questioning some different takes in uh, Knicks Twitter over the last uh, last couple of days, but Someone tried to say like, oh, they didn't just get to where they are because of their defense. And I was just talking through it. I was just like, look, like they obviously need to score more points than the other team to win the game. But like their their offense is not what's driving their success. They're like 24th in the league um, in efficiency. They're not they're reliant on a guy like Randall to be to be the scorer and hopefully his presence opens up some opportunities for other guys. And so this kind of game, which you're not necessarily expecting, I don't know that you should expect another one, um, but that's the problem with the Knicks is like, even when their defense is really good, if you're not getting enough from some of the guys you depend on to score, it can be tough if other guys don't pick up enough of the slack. And obviously Burks was super efficient helping in that regard. Um, you didn't get a ton, but quickly being four or seven for 10 points is huge. Rose, like you talked about, not super efficient because he's mostly, you know, taking twos, but eight to 16 for 17, like that helps, but you just needed more from either, whether it's not as bad a game from Randall, more from Barrett, maybe more than 13 shots for Burks, considering he was so hot. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the issue, you know? Yeah. All these guys played really efficiently. And nobody took bad shots, which is like, which is, which is good to see, even though quickly's, you know, he shoots from a few feet out, you know, from a few feet further than the three point line. Like none of these guys took bad shots. I want to circle back to what you just said. Like what I've been saying all year about the Knicks is like, they need another bonafide star, whether it's Randall's level or a little bit better. They just need another guy that if Randall doesn't have it going and he's honestly, he's had very few bad games this year and the handful of bad games, mostly in the first half were followed up with good games. And that's how we learn how to put it together. Now there were games. He'd still score like 24, 25 points in the second half, but like somewhat inefficiently or like somewhat not in the key moments, which you would chalk up to a bad game when you get used to a really, you know, high level of proficiency, but he hasn't had a stinker like this, you know, in a, in at least like probably 50 games. And so, you know, I'm confident he's going to bounce back. I'm confident because he's shown in, you know, throughout the year that he bounces back. I also think, Here's another thing. I think Tibbs, you know, he's he's a maniac when it comes to like preparing and scouting. And it used to be he would give these guys huge binders about their playoff opponents, you know, knowing you're going to face him seven times. I even think Tibbs, something else I saw, and I don't know why I had this sort of, you know, crazy vision of, I wasn't on any any psychedelics or anything, but, you know, when they came out, it looked like they were watching the Hawks do what the, what the Hawks wanted to do almost letter by letter according to the scouting report and took it in for a quarter be like oh okay this is what they're doing this is how they want to play this is what they're going to run 
and they were like watching it unfold and they forgot to play ball. They forgot to execute. And I think like this is all like first game jitters. Like if you look at them in the second half, they played them pretty evenly. But if they had had a good first half, they probably would have won. So again, I'm still optimistic about the series. I just think they got out slow to the gate. They were like overthinking, you know, and Tibbs, like I could totally see him like just over preparing the team. And he has to remember, like now that they've seen him and taken a couple punches, you know, this is how you come out in round two and you start hitting back, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, when's, when's your next game? Wednesday. Wednesday. Same for the Sixers. Interesting that they had the, uh, what's that, uh, two days off in between. I, I wonder if, it's, well, for the Sixers, I was thinking, oh, do they want to give uh, the Wizards a few days off because they played two games before playing the Sixers? Oh. The you the guys are on, on the same day schedule, seemingly, so. I don't know why they do that. It's like we finally get the playoff game after having seven, six days off, and now it's like now you want us to wait two days between games. Anyway, we don't have to talk about the schedule. That's that's uh, yeah. not important right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see the adjustments. I know you and a lot of other people were calling for uh, Biggie Frank and Nilankina, but, like, okay. he got one minute. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um at least uh, Alfred Payton only got eight. He he was seen pulled pretty early, but like the issue wasn't necessarily the defense per se. Obviously, you know there should be some minutes. You probably want um, Frank on on Trey Young, but how like how do you rectify what happened? Like the easiest is like okay, well Randall's not going to have as shitty of a game, but is Burke's not going to be as hyper efficient as he was? You know what I mean? Like. Is there any sort of adjustment or is it just like these are anomalies and we'll get the next one? Yeah, I think there are going to be adjustments. You know, I think, you know, what the Hawks did was they had Capella come out and shade um, John Collins. They were always trying to throw two big men out at um, at Julius and therefore and they weren't really worrying about uh, Noel so much, Nerlens. And what happened was they gave Nerlens a couple open looks. And then in the second half, he like hurt his ankle. And so he kind of stayed out and that gave us a lot of Taj Gibson minutes. And he did all right, too. But, like, those are things that, like, coach and team are going to make some quick adjustments on. Like, now that Julius knows that, you know, and I kind of feel like in the second half of the season, he's been, he's been like, sticking a little more to the outside, like 16 feet and out and relying on, like, you know, long jump shots. And it's been effective for him. He's turned into are a great Julius. Julius. You know? But, you know, I, I also think, you know, he, he, you know, given his size and his strength, he could just as easily take these guys down low, you know, maybe not Capella. Maybe that's not a favorable matchup. I like John Collins, even giving up a couple inches, like he can just bully him. And frankly, like do better if they switch and they put Gallinari on him, or, you know, they were throwing Deandre Hunter who gives up, you know, a lot of weight and, and maybe an inch or two to him. Like there were some other mismatches. I feel like Julius kind of has fallen in love with being 16, 18 feet out. And then a couple dribbles and like a step back, like he's been so effective, like all year at that. That's really like one of his like, primo moves but i just think he might need to mix up the bag a little bit or just like you know set up the offense a little differently so he he works less hard to get good open shots you know but he wasn't really forcing things either like he knew right away he was having a bad game and just kept running through the motions and kind of you know but you know he didn't force things he just he just the ball wasn't going down you know he was off by a lot 
Yeah, and I'm looking. I'm looking at some of the stats here um, on Randall's season. He's like not. He's the 99th percentile among among bigs hmm. um, at shooting long mid mid range shots, yeah. um, which is just outside of 14 feet and and inside the three point line. Um, he, he takes a lot of mid rangers, and he he also makes makes a lot of them. Again, this is also compared to bigs. Um, but there's still like your 99th percentile on anything, like you're doing something, a, a lot of something. Yeah. Um, and he's 75th percentile in, in makes, he makes 44% of those long, long twos, which, you know, again, it's not the most efficient shot, but when you make them at a high clip, then you can get away with it. And what's interesting is we talk a lot about like layups and threes, as the way the game is going. And, and that is definitely true. But in the playoffs, when teams pack it in and the defense gets a lot better, they're going to make you make decisions. And a lot of the decisions wind up being guys who you don't necessarily want taking a lot of shots, being forced into decisions to either take a jump shot that might be kind of open or try to make a drive, get the ball to someone else. And also making some stars settle or try to convert shots that aren't necessarily high value. So in one respect, it's it's good to be effective in the mid-range in the playoffs because a lot of times like that's the best shot you're going to get. So if you can hit that, that can go a long way. The problem with the Knicks is because Randall's really the only real threat on the court at most of the times – they're going to basically double or make it really hard. So he's going to have to take a more difficult mid range or other guys who don't want to shoot as frequently um, or don't have a quick trigger, even if they're kind of open, they don't take that shot. And a lot of the highlights I was seeing and while I was watching live was a lot of like really difficult possessions where the ball would be swung around and someone was open for, let's say like a corner three but they weren't super comfortable taking that shot and they didn't. And there were like 10 seconds left on the shot clock, but the scrambling around the defense was able to reset. So then it wound up becoming a contested tough two anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, the Knicks are, you know, while they're a very efficient three point shooting squad and like we, you know, I talked about this a couple, a couple pods ago, you know, they got a lot of guys shooting 40% plus like four or five, six guys, are let's say like 80, you know, 38% to 44%. And they're like a top five, top four team in the league in terms of like percentage of three-point shots. Like they're a very effective three-point shooter. They don't put up a lot, but they are very accurate with them. And just looking at like the box score now, like their bench players, like Obi one for two, um, Burks, uh, you know, six, uh, sorry, three for five, quickly two for two, high percentages. It's really their starters that had the bad game. And I should just bring up like the bench, I think put up like 64 points. They put up more than half of their points. The bench were the total stars of this game, you know, and and the ineffectiveness of the starters to put points on the board or to shoot. Julius was two of six. Reggie Bullock was two was zero for five. He was 0 for five. So that was that really killed us. Like his plus minus was negative 14. He had the worst negative 14. But if you look at the plus minus of the bench players, just Obi plus three, Taj plus one, plus three for Rose, plus eight for Burks, plus six for Berkeley. Almost the whole bench with the exception of Frank. And to come back to Frank who played a minute, he played literally like 12 seconds in the at the end of the second quarter, Garden Trey. And then again, the last minute of the fourth, you know, and they put him in there to stop him. Like, I, you know, this is 
this is an unbaked plan by Tibbs in that, you know, yeah, Alfred, you know, hasn't been doing well. I think he's trying to keep Peyton in good spirits. So he's keeping him as a starter. Like you don't want to jinx your starting unit by taking your starting point guard out at the playoffs. So like he's playing him. And I think he pulled him at like five minutes to put Rose in. And it's mostly Derek Rose or quickly running the point or like they can have other guys, you know, bring the ball up. But then they're bringing in Frank for like 30 seconds at a clip. And that's hardly enough time. You know, it's not even enough time to break a sweat. So, like, I think Tibbs has got some adjustments to make. I think he may want to start, maybe think about starting Frank in the second quarter. Like, if you want to reduce Peyton's minutes, you know, from he played like eight minutes here. If you want to reduce him to five, have him start and then sit him the rest of the game and then start Frank for this for the third quarter. See what he can do about Trey. And if he starts to show he can lock him down and disrupt him, like we all know he can. You know, then like then start to do that and just like give give Atlanta something to think about. Like, and I'm sure Tibbs has got a plan. It's just not clear what it is at this point. But again, the shooting, the shooting, the Knicks are, you know, long range, mid-range, you know, but like their starters just had a bad game. And I think it was the impact of the crowd, honestly. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's all conjecture. Uh, I don't know how, how you would know for sure, but I'd imagine it, it wouldn't. Maybe some of the, the younger guys, but there are, you know, there are a lot of vets who play. Like, they know what the shit is like. My, I have a theory, though. I, we've talked about this several times about the next three-point shooting. I feel like everyone knows that when you're more open, your percentage, your three-point percentage goes up. They have all the tracking stats. How well you shoot when the defender is basically right on you, like, I don't know if it's like within three feet or one foot, however they say it, then three to six feet, then six feet plus of space between you and your defender. I have a feeling like, and I've dealt with this a little bit, like a lot of people on Sixers Twitter, me included, want Seth Curry to take more threes Mm. because he's so damn effective when he shoots it. But because he doesn't have quite, he doesn't have his brother's lightning quick release, he takes more time to get the shot off. He doesn't shoot as many threes as you'd like in the same way that, you know, you can, you can make the same argument about the Knicks in some ways. But unlike Seth, Seth has actually started to take a few more contestant threes and it's been great for the Sixers. My theory with the Knicks is, that they have a higher percentage because most of these guys who have a high three-point percentage aren't like the best shooters in the world. They're, or at least they're not as confident taking like a contested three or a three where they feel like the closeout is pretty close to them. We know that they take very few threes relative to the, the rest of the league. So I have a feeling that well, it's not like they're only making shots, making their threes because they're only taking them wide open. It's not that drastic. But I have a feeling that there's something in there where like if they took more contested threes that, you know, their percentage wouldn't be as high as it would. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I see and then and then we'll switch to some Sixers talk. But like I'll tell you when I see it with the Tibbs offense, like they slow it down, right? They They're built for the playoffs, which means they don't they don't look to run a lot in the half in the, in the full court. So they bring it, they bring the ball up, then they run a half court set and he wants dribble penetration, which is why he was such a fan of Rose and you like Jeff Teague and you like DJ Augustin, you know, Tibbs liked all these guys who could dribble penetrate. And then you kick out and then you swing, 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 and you get an open look. And that's why a lot of these guys, it's a slower offense. So like 
their pace isn't high. They don't put up a ton of shots because they're not looking to push, which is why, like, is Lonzo Ball the guy? Well, he'll probably give you some more, you know, free points, you know, with his outlet passing, with his, you know, with with, with his, you know, very good, you know, with his court vision and his ability to pass longer. But, like, that's not necessarily what Tibbs likes to run offensively. And so if you want to be that kind of team that grinds out an offense and then you you require dribble penetration, you need a point guard who could do that. And Peyton, like, you can do it in spurts, but, like, that's not his forte, you know? And, and don't, we don't have I don't that. I think it's the uh, – I think it's actually a defensive thing because Tibbs is so keyed in on defense. You You end a defensive possession by getting a rebound. So I feel like he is saying, I don't care about transition. I need you to secure the defensive rebound to yeah. end the possession, yeah. which which makes sense. But like, and it might be personnel too, but like, you know, there's some balance. It's the same thing with like going for offensive boards versus getting back on transition defense. You know, obviously uh, most teams will give up the opportunity for an offensive board to set the defense, which makes a lot of sense, but I have a feeling that that's part of because even though he's not like, you know, at the height of his game, you know, Derrick Rose can still like make quick work uh, of transitioning, find some opportunities. And it just seems like they're hell bent on like get the rebound, five men, make sure that happens. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, and I've thought that all year long. Thanks for bringing that up. Like the Knicks don't have like a monster, like, okay, Julius is a monster rebounder at 11 boards a game, but like a guy who just loves rebounding. Like, Julius, I feel, loves a lot of things about the game. But, like, who's that guy? Who's that, like, Reggie Evans? Who's that Charles Oakley? Who's that, you know, that guy? Like, even Clint Capella. Like, Mitch is a good rebounder. He's a better shot blocker. Like, Taj is not that. Nerland's more of shot blocker. Like, there are a lot of shot blockers on this team, which is, like, a sweet luxury to have. But, like, who is that that rebounding menace who just goes and gets there? Who's per 36 is, like, you know, 17 a game or something like you know, given that Randall plays 39 minutes, his, his per 36 average is like 10 boards a game. So, you know, you know, I think, I think, yeah, that that's, you know, maybe they'll address him in the off season, but we're also realizing like how much Mitchell Robinson, not because of rebounding, but just like his ability to neutralize Capella to like play the pick and roll. He's a good rebounder. He's a great shot blocker. He's really active defensively. Like if he were playing, if he weren't hurt right now and he were playing and kind of neutralizing Capella, like I think the the scale would tip a lot more in the Knicks' favor than this sort of very evenly contested matchup, you know? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think there will be slight adjustments like we talked about, but I imagine you're going to see the same stuff, and you're you're not expecting your your likely All NBA uh, forward to to go. What was it, six of twenty three? So yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm hoping for uh, for a good series, but. On to the next one. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about and the Sixers. Let's talk about how how did you like the game? What I mean, they 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 won. It wasn't by thirty. You know, you know what? Like I know I, I texted you, but we were texting before the game, and I said, "Oh, I'm hoping for like a thirty point win or something like that." The reality is, like, I assume that this is going to be a sweep, but it's not going to be all the games are blowouts. Yeah. Um, I think because of the way, I mean, I think there could be some blowout games, but the way it might get officiated, the way the Sixers are very much like kind of in a tune-up series in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know that 
their I'd love for their intensity to be like at a hundred percent already, but I just don't, I think they're like, they're there to do the work. Like they're down um, uh, to take care of business. But in a lot of ways, I feel like they are working themselves for like the long haul. And Mm. I, it was a weird game because I mean, not weird, but, I know you talked about the officiating before and like, this isn't a man, like I hate the refs on both sides. The officiating was just really bad. And it also was bad in the beginning and let and change the complexion in the game. There were like, I think one might've been a legit foul, but Embiid had three fouls in the first half and had to sit. He played 10 minutes in the first half. And because of the way we're constructed, where we basically have only Dwight Howard as a backup and we haven't really gone, uh, on a small ball five lineup with like uh, typically it would be either you'd bring in Mike Scott for the five, which I don't want to do, or Simmons could play the five and you wouldn't have like amazing rim protection, but you would potentially be able to switch everything. We haven't really done that, or at least we haven't gone to it yet. And Embiid getting into foul trouble made it so that the the Wizards could hang around. I think the plus minus, uh, I got to bring it up now. Yeah, and I mean, it's always been this way. It's been better this year um, when Embiid sits. But, you know, Embiid is, was plus 20 in a game they won by seven points. Um, you know, Shake Milton, Dwight Howard, they were, you know, minus 14, minus 13. So yeah. not that it's all their, their fault per se, but some of the fouls, which I just I, – I didn't even understand. Like the third foul – Embiid was literally moving himself out of the way. And I don't even know if he made actually, like actually made contact. And it was one of those, and it wasn't the first time in the game or it wasn't the only time in the game where they called a foul on Simmons too, anticipating contact and blowing the whistle before contact even happened and contact never came. So that kind of screwed the Sixers a little bit and thank the Lord for your LI bro, (laughs) Toby. Because he, I mean, he, t- he had to take a bunch of shots, but he had, I think it was 28 or 29 in the first half on 22 shots, which is definitely efficient. He was hitting everything. And he's the reason, honestly, they were in the game. That The Sixers hit their first five or six shots. They went up 10. It was looking good. Then Embiid got two quick fouls. One of them was an offensive foul that was kind of weak, like 90s basketball. It's the type of post move you always see. Now it's like one of those things where like he sort of is twisting through the lane right near the bucket and didn't even like put his elbow up, just like contact was created and it's almost always let go. But they called it, it changed the complexion and we were, we lost that lead pretty quickly once Howard came in. Not that Howard played bad, he's just, he's athletic for a 35 year old. It's just like the skills that he provides and what it means to the team. And just, again, not having like probably the MVP without an injury on the floor, you know, that (laughs) that's obviously a big thing, but they were sort of fighting clawing. They were giving up too many easy buckets because Embiid wasn't there. And I think they gave up uh, like 61 in the first half. Um, No, 62, 62, 61 at the half. And it was just like, this is a team built on defense. What the fuck is this? Well, part of it was Embiid not being in there. The other part was in the second half, we made some runs. Embiid 
you know, he couldn't be his normal aggressive self on the defensive mm-hmm. end because he didn't want to get into foul trouble. Right. Um, so his presence wasn't as felt as much there. Understandably, it was offensively for sure. He had a lot of big buckets. But what was crazy and what you knew was going to happen, at least one of the games, was Simmons did an amazing job on Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal just hit some insane shots. Like he's the only reason. Other guys had shots too, but especially when we we built up like an eight, ten point lead like early in the fourth, he hit some shots where it was just like you you just got to tip your hat. And that kept them in the game. But all those circumstances – you didn't really feel like it was annoying to give up over 60 points in the first half. It was annoying to be down one, especially when you felt like you could have been up 20 at half had it not been for the foul trouble. But I never really felt like, Oh, this game is in jeopardy. And it's because it was overwhelmingly more talented and the wizards play terrible defense and really only have those two guys to like strike fear in you. Um, Although I'll say if, uh, what's his name, uh, Bertans wakes up from three, you know, that could be trouble. I don't know if you've seen him get on a hot streak, but being 6'10 and being an incredible three-point shooter is, uh, well, it's a gift for one, but it also can be yeah. scary if someone like that starts getting hot. And he did make a few. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't see the series going any differently. I think you might see a blowout, but even close games, like you expect the Sixers to win because they have by far more talent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but I looked at the box score afterward and the box score tells a really interesting story. Like it tells, you know, all starters played over like 30 minutes. Right. And then the bench, every bench player had like just about, sorry, with the exception of one had a negative plus minus and all the starters had a plus plus side plus minus a lot of them double digits. The only one who didn't was Tobias. Now he put up 37 points, but he was only a plus two. Everybody else, yeah, Embiid was plus 20, Simmons plus 18, Curry plus 11, Green plus 15. So like starters kicked ass. Tobias, like, I don't know what that, I don't know what happened where he's only a plus two with that unit. But, um, you know, I'll tell you, I was looking at Ben Simmons' stat line, right? 38 minutes, three for nine shooting, 0 for one, three pointers. Okay, so he didn't shoot terribly effectively, only six points. And I know you talked a lot about his need to be aggressive offensively. He had a huge 15 rebound, 15 assist night. Again, plus 18, plus minus. So, like, he definitely brought it, you know, all aspects of the game. But that six-point outing on three and nine shooting over one, he missed all six free throws that he took. That's the big, that's the big ish. I mean, that's not the only thing. He, He played a really, really good game. He was great defensively, obviously, the assists and the boards were were really huge. What was what's frustrating with him in general? This game was kind of a microcosm of his career. He mm. started out aggressive and got some looks at the rim, or at least within like six feet. The rest of the night after all day, after maybe the his first substitution. He would he would get like within like ten ish feet and try a lot of these like you know like hook shots and flip shots and stuff like that and we were talking about before when he was on that great hot streak uh, I think before the All Star break we were talking about take that one extra dribble and get to the rack 
And he sort of did that in the beginning. He stopped doing that in, I guess, the the second, third, and fourth quarters. And again, we don't need him to be a big scorer, but I almost wonder if his lack of confidence from the line is has some effect on whether he's willing to like go in and get fouled. And uh, he was he just goes through these hot streaks uh, uh, from the line, and it weirdly or maybe not weirdly, it correlates or is caused by his aggressiveness going to the rack and picking up fouls and getting layups. And um, all that said, though, like he he gave us what we needed. Like we're not depending on him to like if, – if we're depending on Ben Simmons to be a scorer, like something went horribly wrong. Yeah. Uh, we're depending on Tobias Harris. And the reason uh, I think that you, you see him having only a plus two – for the game is is because he stayed on the floor to basically carry the offense when a lot of the bench guys came in. So he was scoring effectively. Our defense was not good at all. So um, even though he was helping to keep us afloat offensively, his plus minus wasn't that great because he needed to help basically keep uh, perk up the offense when when guys like Embiid were on the bench with their foul trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, I'm not putting too much, you know, you know, uh, stake in game ones because look, the Sixers had, you know, a week off and like anytime you get that much time off as a professional, you know, I feel like it kind of throws your timing off a little bit. Like, you know, the Wizards were like in dog fights, you know, the the prior games, like very emotional wins over, over the Celtics. You know, and and so I just I feel like, you know, game one is kind of like, you know, two two heavyweights, you know, kind of feeling each other in round one. That's kind of how I feel it. So, like, you know, at least it's a good indicator to me. I watch playoffs. I generally, you know, as as do a lot of fans, I'm sure feel like I know who's predicted to win. But I'm just looking to watch good basketball. So competitive games kind of provide that, you know, Russell, he didn't have a monster scoring night, but again, did his usual you know, you know, all-star, all well-rounded game. And Beal just looked like he was going to score the ball until the clock expired. Like he just looked like he was, you know, he was on a mission to score. So, you know, I, you know, I hope the Sixers, uh, you know, uh, you know, again, you know, for your sake, I, I hope they win, but, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I'm just here to kind of enjoy good competitive basketball um, sure. and, and, you know, want to see our, our teams square off in round two. So, you know, that's kind of that's kind of my 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 wish on this, you know. Yeah. And last point on Simmons, um, n- not that all the stats are like, you know, you got to take them with a grain of salt. But when Simmons covered Bradley Beal and he didn't really in the regular season, I think that was one of those. We're not going to, um, you know, show any cards, if you will. Well, actually, no, the Wizards suck. So it wasn't about that. But just trying to keep keep. uh Simmons fresh in those regular season games and not have to chase around all those um, pin downs and those screens. They didn't have Simmons guard him in the regular season, but even though Beal had a good game, he was only one of six for two points with three turnovers against Simmons. He hounded them all game. So that's why you'll hear if you read Doc Rivers or hear Doc Rivers talk about Simmons, he thought it was amazing. A lot of people will see three of nine, six points, 0 for six. While again, I'm talking about, yeah, I'd love for him to be more aggressive and obviously want him to make at least like 70% of his, his free throws. He brings so much to the team that like 
the casuals might not like might not understand. Um, it was just a great performance. But again, like if he can be more aggressive in these other series, especially when the defense gets better, that's going to go a long way. So yeah. we'll see. And it's not always about points. Sometimes it's about when the points are scored. Yeah. You know, if your team, if you're the, if the other team's on a run and this is your guy who like hits a key three to keep the game close, you know, things like that. Like it's, it's about when it's done as much as like how it's done, you know? So um, prediction, still Sixers and four. So interestingly, I know I kind of talked about like, uh, I feel like it should be a sweep. I'm superstitious, so I don't like making predictions. And I feel like, nah, I'm never making predictions about my team. It's basketball. Anything can happen. Yeah. But for the sake of I'm on some fucking podcast, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, my prediction is a sweep. I'm fucking podcast. <laughs> Yeah, saying five saying five games is like the cop out. Like, yeah, obviously we're a better team, but anything can happen for one game. I'll say sweep because that, that's bolder. Um, yeah, I mean one versus eight, you're supposed to say sweep. Like that's how it goes. Two versus seven, you're supposed to say sweep. Most people Three say five. Six, you go one. You know, four versus five, you go two. You know, I think most people say five when they think one team is clearly like way better just because shit happens. It, like there was a poll, uh, some Philly account said, oh, how many games do you think? And the majority of people put five because it's getting like, oh, some shit will happen. Bradley Beal will go yeah. off. And there's, and there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of elite talent on, on, you know, on Washington. So, you know, I can certainly see one of those guys, you know, what if Russ puts up 50, 20 and 15? Like, you know, he can do that. And, you know, I saw Tybal didn't get too many minutes in the last game. I think he had like 14 minutes in game one. So, you know, like anything can happen. I'm with you, but like, you know, I just think as a team defensively with their coaching and everything else, like I think I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll put a couple bucks down on a, you know, on a, on a four game sweep there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, to me, I think it's that they're so bad defensively, the Wizards, that like I would have zero trust in their ability to even if they had a good offensive game to to pull away at any point. But. All right, how about Knicks? Are you – I don't want to make you predict oh. the series. I just want to know what you feel about game two. But you can give me more if you want. Easy, easy. I think game two, I think the Knicks take a big lead in the first quarter. I think this, the Hawks make a run in the third, and I think they win, let's say, by like eight or ten points. I think the Knicks are going to snap back. They're going to love having the crowd behind them. Julius is going to put up some big points. He's going to go to work early and often. He's going to start to defer. And he's going to have a big fourth. I think Knicks are going to bounce back. And uh, you have any predictions on Randall point total? I know you mentioned he always uh, he always is back. Back. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with a with a hard fought 32 that's going to require 11 free throws made. We'll say like 11 of 14 for a hard fought 32. All right. So again, getting a lot of foul foul calls. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Obviously, more than 15 is needed, but I expect that will happen this game. Yeah. Hey, were there any other surprises, game one surprises from you, for you? Um, Not really. I mean, Ty- Tyrese Maxey got a little bit of run there for a little bit and had some some cool buckets. It wasn't surprising only because Furkan Korkmaz, who had been hurt with an ankle injury, had several wide open threes, which is specialty, and looked bad, like could look really bad doing it. So I don't know if it's like getting back in the game shape, shape or whatever. 
So because of that, that he got, and ironically, he's the one who had the uh, positive plus minus <laughs> uh, off the bench, but he was, he was bad. Um, so the fact that Maxi got some minutes was, was a bit surprising, but I mean, it's, it's small things. It's about what we expected. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. So I think next time we talk, we'll probably have two more games under our belts. We'll come back. We'll do a post recap of game three, preview game four. Sounds good. Yeah, man. All right. Talk soon. And as always, you have questions, comments, concerns, (laughs) crap you want to talk about, you know, hit us up on Anchor. We'll we'll provide the link. Light them up, Nick's Universe. Light them up. All right. (laughs) All right.